Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay, so I'm here with, uh, with Stephanie, who's a bespoke jeweler, who also happens to be my sister. Um, and we are here visiting on our holiday in South Africa from Switzerland and I thought it would be a good chance to just quickly catch up and actually invite her on the yet to be launched podcast um, because I think uh, like I mentioned uh, in my original podcast introduction that for me it's about um, sharing things that that I think are cool interesting and that people are doing that add a lot of uh, value to the surrounding uh, immediate surrounding region and just some yeah some cool interesting stuff and Steffi makes jewelry by hand but maybe she can tell us a bit more about that in a moment um, yeah that is actually that so this podcast is also unedited so it's going to be quite uh, uh, raw and, and real so let's get into it so Stephanie tell us quickly just give us a quick intro about yourself what do you do um, I am a, so to say, manufacturing jeweler, but not um, in the sense that I just make jewelry uh, on large scale. It's all about finding people who want to walk a journey with me and create pieces that basically tell their story. Um, and I work in a complete uh, array of metals and mediums, found objects and gold, silver, copper, anything really that is interesting and that speaks to the client. Okay, cool. So taking a step back from that quickly, why jewelry? That's a good question. I think, I think I'm still figuring out why jewelry. Um, Creating in general uh, is something quite personal in the sense of um, through creating I'm getting an opportunity to understand more about myself. So making things with my hands helps me process life in general. So, um, sheesh. Also, the going back in time, jewellery has a, a very big language in the sense of um, in different tribes and cultures it is worn for different seasons in one's life and I think uh, through making jewelry I'm figuring out my own different seasons so as personal as it is I think I wanted to share making things from scratch with people because it feels like such a purpose-driven uh, journey okay mm. interesting and so you would say that it's also a way of uh, expressing how you feel mm. very much so I think the um, hmm, often when life is wobbly uncertain or big decisions loom I will step into the studio and create things not mm. necessarily for the shelves to sell or for a client but just to literally ground myself and, and, and basically get to an answer so I guess yeah jewelry and creating is definitely a way to um, process and navigate my own feelings in a, I guess, a, a more wholesome way than, than other avenues. Okay. Yeah. But why not something like music? Say again? Why not something like music? Oh, why if you've seen me music? play a musical instrument, you would not be anywhere near the shop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so jewelry is your process of, of understanding 
uh, you know, yourself, the world around you, life, and then the finished pieces that are hanging in your, in your, mm. in your studio are uh, an expression of that that people can then uh, yeah, buy for themselves or... Yeah, or, or res yeah, resonate with or... Um, it's sometimes interesting to make such personal pieces because it, it doesn't necessarily resonate, because it's such a personal process, it doesn't mm. necessarily resonate with a majority of people. So um, you do end up with quite a niche market. Um, uh, but yeah. also, it's hard to separate if it's your personal process, um, but mm -hmm. also your livelihood. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and maybe we, yeah. Okay, now maybe we can do that question. Oh, well, we can do it now. Um, so you speak about yeah, jewelry being your process, and so the. The type of jewelry that you typically make mm -hmm. is that like uh, like you would see in uh, uh, what is the jewelry sense of <laughs> I don't even know jewelry store. Uh, like so anything that comes to mind is yes, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> like what people would expect when when you say jewelry, like shiny gold and silver earrings mm -hmm. or rings, or is it something completely different? Something else. Um, yeah, it's not. Uh, Let's start with like just the word jewelry is is quite. I think the first thing that people go to is when you hear jewelry is gold and diamonds. We've we've just been not conditioned, but yes, gold and diamonds. But I don't I don't make anything gold or diamond related unless it is um, family jewelry that's been in the family for ages and we can remelt or remake. Mm. Uh, but so yeah, no, I don't like supporting the mining industry necessarily. Uh, so my work actually veers off to very much. Um, so if I go to the mountains for a climbing trip, for mm. instance, then um, I would take a sketchbook, I would take my writing pad and I would take my pencils with colors and I would actually sketch and draw my process as I go along as the silhouettes of the mountains inspire me or the color mm. of the fanboss. And then those elements are brought back to the studio and then literal pieces are made from yeah. from those um, elements so it would involve thread it would involve brass it would involve maybe even some printing of the fanboss leaf into the metal so there's like and every process is different so mm -hmm. it's hard to like combine and say my jewelry is only made from this it really does uh, get determined by the by the adventure we go on i suppose okay um hold on to that thought for a moment yes Still recording, just watching. Oh, well, I'm yeah, so you can see a little bit of the natural pieces just at the top of the frame there. <laughs> um, but you mentioned now your jewelry, yeah, it's not made from what someone would typically expect. Mm. Jewelry is made from when spoke speaking in the traditional sense gold, mm. diamond, silver, mm. it's more natural materials and incorporating, um, yeah, things from the natural environment or. But you've also done some other types of uh, mm. processes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you find particularly that you go back to, that you often use, or often use for inspiration? Define process. Uh, the way that you Make. come up with a design or with a... Uh, with a yes. Um, 
So my favorite thing to do is not have to go back to a certain design or a, or a process. So every time it's a unique... So every time it's a unique... Um, yeah, process essentially to, yeah. to get to the end result. Yes, I think Part that's what, what keeps me interested and intrigued in the making yeah. of the jewelry. I think um, the it's not just the mold, that, like the yeah. same earring, the same bracelet yes. over yes. and over again. So basically, I don't think I'm. I, I don't so much look at the end vision. Mm -hmm. um, it's the process or the 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 how behind something that excites me and intrigues me. So if a client comes and they go. Uh, I want this, but, and this is the thing, and, how, and I'm like, and I have no clue how to make it. I'm likely to say, yes, let's do this. And then I have to figure it out as, mm. as I go along. If someone comes and I want 50 of something, then I'm like, sorry, can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, the processes that I do go back to is if I, again, it's so, it's so personal. I think if I find that I resonate with a certain ring, quite uh, a lot, then I'll bring in, at some point I'll make 10 of them, but then it'll take me three years again to make another 10. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, I guess the most, the process that I use most is literally just making everything from scratch, literally. Um, I don't like using, yeah, uh, other like molds or castings or things it needs to yeah. and each each piece is, is tailored to the person who yeah very much so. who would uh, well on, on a commission basis if someone comes to you to make a piece of jewelry it's mm -hmm. tailored to them specifically mm -hmm. and the pieces hanging here in your studio these pieces all have very much have a adventure behind them in a way okay. um yeah I, I mean just looking at what i can see there are a few brass pieces there with thread of a, like mountain silhouettes threaded mm -hmm. in them and that was on a we went to Montague for a climbing trip and then that's what came about and then the shells are from when I lived on the Namakwa West Coast mm -hmm. um, okay. yeah so each piece is yeah. a is a as a little backstory yeah a little backstory yeah, back to them yeah. yeah so it's not just the an, 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 um, what's the word an anonymous piece of jewelry no yeah, there's a bit more meaning mm -hmm. to it yeah I mean, I have to say that just coming back to the personal process of making jewelry mm -hmm. or how, how I navigate and, and process my emotions. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> I think through wanting to establish my own voice in the world, mm. my pieces have a story or the desire to be known or for someone to be curious enough about my story to ask. I would like, that's I think why I make jewelry pieces with stories. It's very entwined. I can't, yeah, I can't, mm. Like I said, I can't separate myself from my, from my jewelry. Every now and then I think maybe it's too personal and I should branch out a bit. Mm. But yeah, or I shouldn't have commercialized. But who knows? You learn as you go along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all of us need to earn a and living. somehow put a roof mm. over our heads, right? <laughs> So why should someone buy one of these jewelry pieces? Hmm. There are no right or wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I can draw on an example of um, once upon a time I had an exhibition with storytelling pieces alongside a photographer and 
someone came in to view the exhibition and they saw a piece and they bought it and they they said to me um, they pulled me aside and they said to me this piece is something that's going to help me be more true to myself mm. it's the reminder of that i have a voice that i matter and that i can actually step into the world and stand strong as my own self i don't have to be someone else because uh, they identified with the story behind it exactly oh, okay. and i was like wow so that you have those little nuggets all along the way mm. that make you feel like you're doing the right thing yeah um so why should someone wear um, yeah i think if it's a reminder to to for personal growth and it's pretty spot on and then yeah it's definitely worth buying a piece okay so once they bought it why then they should wear it as an expression of that or as a reminder to themselves of that i, I mean i'm a guy i don't really identify with white people the only way i can say is see well my, my own way of wearing jewelry is it's not an everyday thing it's very mm. much a feeling <laughs> it sounds so wafty but it really is it's like a um I really believe strongly that you have to feel your way through life. We don't always have time because life is fast and it's going mm. at a really rapid pace. But if you can feel your way through life and in moments where you either have to decide that someone else's needs are important or your needs are important and making that decision or I don't know growing in wisdom to make those decisions mm. and buying these jewelry pieces as a reminder even if you just you're wearing it and you touch it in that decision making process mm. and you're like oh yeah okay yes I, it's okay i can choose myself or whatever the okay. message or the reminder is but okay. also just as a you can wear it as a statement piece also if you felt like it there are some <laughs> bigger pieces around yeah. yeah okay cool um yeah and you mentioned going on a lot of adventures and i mean we both grew up surfing together so mm. do you want to maybe elaborate a bit on surfing uh what type of influence surfing has on your jewelry making process or on your life or <laughs> <laughs> she's has been such a big part of my life um i don't think i can live far from the ocean <laughs> um, i mean yeah, the ocean is just yeah, that, okay, so <laughs> you can throw a stone that uh, way <laughs> sorry <laughs> um Yeah, it feels like surfing's like a, an extra limb in my life. It's not even just it's like a, it's become a proper functional yeah. um part of who I am. I think after a really uh, tough week in studio um being in the ocean and it doesn't have to be big waves necessarily. Um actually preferably not just when the ocean's calm and mm. small waves and you can have a laugh and a and a real relaxed time. The ocean's definitely a place where I go to be reminded to play. To, to mm. be a kid to to um life is so serious most of the time and we have to adult so hard <laughs> <laughs> um so when you when i get to spend time in the ocean it reminds me to mm. to not carry so much and be a kid i guess no mm. yeah, and to feel that that uh, that energy and uh, yeah uh, and and also the movement if you think about the ocean is never the same every time you go there mm. and every wave you surf So I mean life is also never the same. So it's also mm-hmm. like a a metaphor for just, you know, if the wave comes just surf it or don't or duck dive or rock turtle roll or whatever. Mm. Great metaphor for life. Yeah. And yeah, also just being near the ocean, it doesn't have to be in it or surfing big waves mm. or just 
just no, yeah, I mean, you know, like, water element is very... Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes I find yeah, the most fun you have is when you're surfing longboards and you know, <laughs> tiny waves. Yes, exactly, <laughs> knee-high waves. Because, it's the best. well, one, it's fun, and two, most other people don't bother coming out <laughs> yes, because they, yes, don't, yes. they want to surf performance shortboards exactly. and they can't surf. <laughs> Those are the waves that you do paddle out on yeah. when there's no one out and people are like, oh, it doesn't look great. And then you're like, yep, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just checking if my wife and son are okay on the playground there. I haven't, I haven't seen anyone screaming. <laughs> so we can we can carry on for, for a bit if my nose will allow us. Um, okay, yeah, cool. Let me just find my train of thought again quickly. Um, and currently, you are based here in Scarborough, mm. uh, south of Cape Town, with your studio here at what is what is this called? The Village Hub. The Village Hub in Scarborough. Mm -hmm. So you guys can come and check it out if you want. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long scenic drive, but it's so worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Really worth it. And there's a great playground if you've got little kids (laughs) across the road. Something for everyone. (laughs) Um, So with a jury, is there any... What was the question? I forgot what I wanted to ask now. Oh, let's see. Okay, let's carry on with this. With this, then, while I'm thinking of what I wanted to ask originally. What? So we spoke about why someone, why someone should buy something. Not that everyone should, but why would someone buy? Or so, but or maybe actually we answered this in the previous question. Now that I'm reading the question. You know, what would you want someone to experience and take away from owning some of your jewelry? But I think you actually addressed that with. Or do you want to quickly just elaborate that on again? Give me a chance mm. to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, in the jewelry industry, it's hard. It's, I don't want to say it's hard to establish yourself as a bespoke jeweler. Um, I think especially in Cape Town because brass and silver or gold and silver really sell well. Um, I mm. make everything but pieces that sell well. It's um, more of an experience, I guess. So I think I'm, you know, to be honest and be all like, you know, all about the feels this morning. (laughs) I think I go through life feeling things very deeply. And I used to think it's such a curse. But through the jewelry, I hope other people would be brave enough to tap into feeling deeply going through life. Mm. And I think if if I can make you feel something similar to art, I suppose. Yeah. But it's not the sole purpose of making jewelry, but it is, it's, it's to see someone's experience when they, when something does make them feel something. Mm. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> um, you mentioned, a, yeah, to experience something that you don't make. Uh, I mean, I think we touched on it right in the beginning that you don't make the, you know, typical gold, silver uh, jewelry, you also repurpose a lot of mm. things that you find. Mm. And you've actually, um, not presented, but you've actually done that up in Malawi, I believe. I that was... Uh... Do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> you make jewelry from things that you find around yeah. the house or around the, around yeah. the, around the trail? Yeah, definitely. I mean, going trail running with me is an utter, utter nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I take a backpack not for water, but for things. 
Yeah, I think it'll also be a good little a good uh, way to highlight or to illustrate how jewelry is not necessarily gold, silver, or diamonds. It's actually mm. it can mean so much more than that, and you can make it from very simple things. Mm. Um, so the Malawi mission, it was this, it was. Sure, I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, it was a six-week project that I needed to like figure out a curriculum for. And literally the, the brief was uh, come over and share with the community your skills or figure out how to leave a skill mm. with a base of the locals' skills already. So basically collaborating between my skills and a culture who also has amazing skills. I think yeah. I always end up learning more than what I went to teach. And I went there with nothing, like literally I just, I said we're going to make jewelry with whatever is there. Mm. Because if you think about it, if you leave a skill, um, well, if you take all of these tools to a, to a place in a village that doesn't have any, mm. and you have to get there by foot, boat and plane, how are they going to get the tools when they need when they when need they more need, or yeah, again? So I come there and I make with tools and then I leave with my tools and then what are they going to make jewelry with? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I was there for six weeks and stayed in the village with, I worked with about 30 women, which was absolutely incredible. When I arrived there, they were like, they had a giggle because it's like this white lady is going to teach us mm. how to make jewelry. And I was like, no, actually, we're all going to teach each other how to make something. It might not even be jewelry. Um, but I went a week early to, to basically just... Um, to scout what mm. materials we could use and I realized that clay was a big um, every single um, woman around their house had clay so we could use clay as a base and then we used seed pods that basically or anything that like was on the ground but that at that time of year was available naturally in the world and it's like basically the seed pods fall off the tree mm. so we're going to use that so you're not picking things from the tree not picking no, things off the tree anything that's natural anything that's natural on the ground and then also so they, it's sustainable yes basically. that was basically the main thing mm. sustainability i think we often think we need to buy things in order to have what we need but we actually have everything we already need in order to make something we don't need we don't need to buy stuff and set up everything yeah. before we can manufacture mm. things and um, also they have amazing skills with making clay pots for their kitchens. They basically okay. make all their water carriers and their pots yeah. and uh, things in their house with clay. Oh, so okay. they sure. already knew how to make clay and they knew mm. how to fire the pots in the sand, also an incredibly natural way. Okay. So we used all their processes, but then we just uh, made the process really small and made beads mm -hmm. from the clay and we fired them in the sand on the lake, at, on Lake Malawi, put the fire in there, let the beads overnight. Mm -hmm. Every single process was literally just by hand, no machinery, and we came out with an incredible range of beads and things that the woman could sell and keep on making when I left. Yeah, wow, yeah, it very was, cool. It, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And it's something you enjoyed? I think it was the best six weeks of my jewelry career. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She says while sitting in her shop in Scarborough. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so, yeah, so a special experience. Yeah, very special. I think mainly because um, working with a community of women who, um, 
You know, we, we had that their customs determine their mm. life, like in and the environment and the environment. I think here in the West, if I can call this the West, mm. but like our customs aren't so strong anymore. We have different. Mm. We have customs, but they're different. Yeah. So slotting into in the morning um, before work, you clean the workspace. Mm. When all of us did, city women, they're cleaning the workspace. Then at ten. Um, the women already from nine o'clock has got the tea on the fire. They've made fire already. The beans are cooking on the other side. Mm. So everything evolves around the customs and in between you make the beads. Mm. But the fire's going, the tea's going, the, the, everything's mm. being prepared. It's, um, so yeah, the main priority right. is community and um, togetherness. Yeah. And then we work, we weave the work into that. And okay. that just somehow makes real sense. Mm. We do it differently here. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it feels a bit more forced here. Very in the much mo- in the so. Mo- in the modern, in the modern Very models. much so. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. yeah, it's interesting yeah. seeing the differences. Which I think also yeah. for me, traveling is also always interesting to see mm-hmm. the different cultures. Not to take my culture there, but to yes, experience that to culture, take which in is why from I go another there. Culture, yeah, sorry, my nose is really. I don't know. Not good. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like it was a really, really cool experience. So, do you think you could do something similar? Around your ha- around, if someone was in Pokai or in in uh, the city bowl in Cape Town, yeah, like offer them a similar experience. Yeah, or yeah, or find stuff, or definitely, I don't know what you would do. You're definitely. an expert. You can tell me. <laughs> um, what? So just carry on, or yeah. pause for a moment. Well, hold that thought. I just want to. I just double check every now and again because it'd be sad if we. But for some reason, yeah. the camera stops yeah. recording. Um, yes, I do. I think it would be an incredible experience. Yeah. And I don't think is... you'll be able to make fire. We won't be able to in the re- living room and make fire. <laughs> Especially if you live in a wooden house, but you can try that once, I suppose. <laughs> there are fire extinguishers. We're fine. Um, but no, yeah. I, th- I think you can. You can. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, curate. Or, 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 yeah, you can create or cultivate the process to fit the city bowl. Mm. Um, I mean, that's actually quite nice because then you, you slot into those customs or mm. the person's lifestyle or, you know, like something. I never feel like creating should be something that you, you force. It should be something that, is, that comes very effortlessly. Mm. And um, the more we can effortlessly fit it into our daily life, the more it enriches us, actually. But yeah, you could. It would be incredible. I just don't know. Look, in Africa, I know we're part of Africa, but in Malawi and those kind of places, they really go slow, you know. They have time to sit and have tea for an hour, and they have time to do the washing by hand. I don't know where they find the time, because it's the same clock. (laughs) We just seem to not, I don't know. We'd have to fit it into, like, the process that would have to be, like, really tight. But it is possible. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, that would be a great challenge to go anywhere and go. I think a great idea would be to to say, okay, you get dropped off somewhere in the city, and at the end of the day, have stuff together to mm. make a range jewelry with, and that's mm. it. Yeah, it would be pretty. Yeah, or, big. or maybe people can come together and, and mm. just bring whatever they think can For work. For sure. Yes, and work with what they think could, you know, what they were drawn to. Yeah, because I find sometimes you have things and you don't realize what you can do with it until someone with the expertise or with that experience can show you what you can do. (laughs) 
then it's like it's to, absolutely true mm. I think that's really some of what the jewelry basics should or is in mm. my process definitely based on mm. yeah. Um, yeah. and this so while I have that thought so this process or this yeah, your process of making making jewelry mm. is that something that you is that something that they teach at, at, at university or at the way I approach the jewelry process or yeah, you're the process that you've developed now, or is it... No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really struggled at university. It was probably four of the hardest years of my life. But I didn't feel confident enough to step out of that system and go do something else. Mm. And I thought, shoot, imagine you had to return to university, I would die. So I'd rather just do it in one shot and get it mm -hmm. over with. But in hindsight, like even though I, I didn't enjoy it then, I'm so grateful for the freedom it allows me now. But at university, it was very technical. It was very 90 degrees. I was always slow. My projects were always handed in very late because I couldn't get it done in time. I was always last in class. It was like, yeah. And the so, was the focus a lot more on the, on the traditional type of jewelry? Or? No, it was very much. So, I mean, they teach you. So in the four years, uh, you only really start specializing at the, in the in the fourth year. So you do mm. jewelry throughout the mm. four years that you're there, but then you really zone into jewelry making in like third and fourth year. But on in that process, you learn how to set a stone, mm. but you only learn how to set a stone the right way mm. to set a stone. And then only afterwards, like after many years of experimenting by yourself and setting stones really shit, then you realize there are other ways to yeah. set stones and then you can start being creative. But I guess there's a lot to fit into a four-year process or four-year mm. jewelry degree. Yeah, I suppose. But maybe they can teach you the right way, but then also that there's a bit of leeway. I mean, the people yeah. teaching also have some life experience and some, one would think, or some yeah. jewelry making experience. I know. Well, I, I, I experienced it very... Uh, it was a very limiting course. Um, but then again, I probably, if they didn't do it that way, I wouldn't have left with the skills that I mm. have now. Yeah, I mean, it's never a, a waste. You, you no, do pick up a lot definitely of not. But then, I mean, this also mm. highlights the, um, the importance of actually going out and mm. doing the thing that you yeah, want to definitely. do. Because that's where you gain the, the experience and the life experience mm. to, you do this and you realize, oh, it's not working, no. but I learned some things and I'm going to apply this to the next thing I'm going to mm. try. So failing is not actually failing. It's just learning no, along it's the way. Actually, yeah, putting little yeah. nuggets of experience in. Yeah, your, which is why some people call it failing, failing forward. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I've done some many years of failing forward. <laughs> slowly failing forward. <laughs> yeah, definitely slowly. So. I've lost my other question again. I should have made more physical notes. Slowly <laughs> 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 failing. Wait, forward. it's going to come back to me now. It's going to come back to me now. Give me a moment. Let me look at something here. Um, uh, oh no. Okay. Okay. One last year. Okay. One last year. No, I said I'm not going to. <laughs> So currently you're here in Scarborough, but mm. 
you've been quite a few places before. Mm. Why here at the moment? Hmm. Um, I think because of the, I don't want to say the mountains, but the, the natural, the, the nature around me is very close. Like after a day of work, I could just hop into my running clothes and do a loop on the mountain out mm. the back here. And or just walk down the beach and go for a quick wave, and mm. um, so so I guess it's lifestyle supported in a way. So you get okay. work done, you get a full day of work done, but you can also get a, a full injection of nature time, mm. which is very important to balance things out for me. Work uh, for well for the work life balance, yeah. I suppose. Um, I don't think I, I plan to be in Scarborough yeah. um, many many years ahead of time. I think. But um, having arrived in Cape Town and staying in Musenberg for a, f a few years mm. and then found a place out towards the Cape Point Reserve just felt okay. more, uh, yeah, less hustle and bustle and, okay. and, and more like calming to the yeah, nervous system. More in nature. Yes. Very important element mm. of okay. life, yeah. Well, <laughs> not my son. <laughs> um, um, do you have any specific jewelry ranges that you're working on, or is it mostly client work at the moment? At the moment, uh, yeah, at the moment, more commission work. It fluctuates though. There are there are stages where um, no one orders anything, and then you can sit down and do some some jewelry work ranges related. Mm -hmm. But I find that I can't do both. I like I'm either really immersed in the commission-based work mm. because it's such a personal process with my clients. Like we talk a lot mm. in order to figure out what works, what doesn't. Then the design process. So the time it takes to do commission work, then I don't do any planning for range work at mm. all. I actually haven't bought out a range in a long time. The pieces okay. on the shelves here have literally been uh, having only opened the shop two months ago, mm. they were all in, in boxes and okay. things. Yeah, that you've made before. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So speaking of, of clients and, and, and communication, you want to quickly talk us through your, let's say someone comes to you, because, or why would someone come, what does your typical client look like and what's your typical process to make a piece from start to finish? Cool. Um, so, yeah, so when someone comes to you and says, I need a necklace or I need a, like a wedding ring or a... Mm. Mm. Yeah, it it's, uh, can be any. I've had a few wedding rings. Um, but yeah, so basically someone would come to me and they're like, oh, I've heard of you through this person, this person, or they just pop into the shop and they're like, hey, oh, you make stuff. And then um, I would do a consultation. So mm. I... Which would be, yeah, I mean... Now it would be here in the studio. We would be mostly at the here coffee in the shop studio. next door. Or? Yeah. So so if we get to sit Sorry. just outside the door, then the studio stays open mm. and we can just sit and meet right there. But yeah, it'll be a consultation fee. Mm. Well, a once-off consultation, and we chat about what mm. they need, what their needs are, what my needs are, or what I offer. Yeah. And then um, in that consultation, I'll make it clear that they get mm. so three designs. Oh. Sorry, there's a fly in your head. Three designs um, with quotes, and then um, okay. So concept like sketched out. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Literally like. So I'll take. So we'll sit in a meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, then I'll hear what they have to say. Then I, the I go back and I produce three designs like with all the bells and whistles, with their quotes. I'll send them over, and then the changes also are included if they think this design is great, but then they want some of that design in there, and then. Mm -hmm. 
until we find a, a design that's like what they really want. Okay. But obviously, it, um, you need to put a limit on that so you don't give them like yeah. the whole year to Endless change their mind because then we're never going to make anything. And then once we've decided on a design, mm -hmm. I ask for a 50% deposit. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, for materials or, or at least um, when buying uh, metal and things, mm. I don't like uh, upfronting metal on my own costs and waiting mm. for. Yeah. yeah. So then there's a deposit, uh, hopefully 50% most of the time. And then throughout the process, um, I find that clients like being, some clients love being part of the process. So mm. I sometimes do take some photos of saying, this is what it looks like now. Okay. This is where we're at. So the in-progress stuff. Yeah, like definitely that. keeping them in the loop. Yeah. And um, I guess a, I don't always get it right, but like the informed client is definitely a happy client. Mm -hmm. And I find that even the jewelry process, just to throw this in there, is um, people want to be seen and heard. And I find that I'm actually almost, let's say, 30% in the seeing and herding business. <laughs> and the jewelry business. Mm. Um, I find that people really resonate with you when you um, ask about, you know, how is your day or like whatever, not becoming their best friend, but you mm. like, you're interested and curious about them and their process with you and this ring. And also their reasons behind why they want Definitely. the jewelry piece, what it means to them. Exactly, it's so important, yeah. Um, and then often I will, it's very important to spend a little bit, like if I feel like another coffee or another meeting is necessary, uh, sometimes just sitting with someone, the way they use their hands or their mannerisms or the colors or the prints that they wear, yeah. there'll be an element there that I feel needs to be brought into doing okay. in yeah. a texture or a saying on the inside or a color of a stone or whatever. It's, you know, so every detail counts. Yeah. And then, yeah, some clients I really appreciate if the if they've got time, but like also in the consultation, I say, what's the D-Day? So that I know, How if, long you have, can we stretch the process out or do we need to like mm. squash it in? Um, because even when you squash it in, if you know you need to squash it in, you can still lengthen the certain parts that are more important than others. And then basically two to three weeks, maybe a month, mm. we work together and uh, yeah, to completion and then, um, the ring actually, yeah, it gets wrapped so that when it arrives there, it's also it's an, the the whole uncovering and receiving of it is is a massive thing. So yeah, it gets wrapped personally in the studio according to the client with elements mm. of the client from the client. Yeah, so each package that you send it in is unique as well. Very much so. There's no generic um, packaging whatsoever. Yeah, I don't have boxes stacked ready for the jewelry pieces to go in. Everything okay. is very personally. Yeah curated from start to finish yeah. to the client. Okay, yeah, so that sounds like a very, very personal process. Very intensive, very, uh, actually. And, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, very personal, very, uh, what's the word, very tailored to each client. So each, yeah, well, that's actually so. what, I, what I wanted to say. So each piece is, is, is yeah, tailor-made, mm. really uh, adapted to the, to the client mm. and their, uh, their story and, and life elements and, mm. and things like that. So when they mm. when they receive it, I would imagine you know, there's that much more meaning. It's not just mm. a pretty thing. Mm. Mm. And also, if, if I feel like there's sometimes there's um, sayings or notes, I have pieces of paper with like cool sayings on mm. it or whatever, and I add that and a little personal note. And, yeah, yeah. And I like to deliver my pieces personally. I don't if I if I can, I will okay. drive. I will drive yeah. to the client's house within South Africa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's close by. 
Otherwise, I send the pigeon, the post. <laughs> or two if it's heavy. Yes. <laughs> or the tortoise. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, knowing you, I have more or less an idea what your process is, but I think it, it, yeah, it's important just to, to highlight that aspect because I think when you just you know, walk into a fancy jewelry store and you buy a diamond ring, there's not, uh, there's, there's not that, that weight of, of personal story uh, mm. and, and um, our personal attachment to it, mm. which often gives things more meaning. I mean, there's a reason why we never want to throw out a a surfboard that we've had for a few years because know, you've had right? so much experience with it and you... Yeah, there's a, there, you've gone on some adventures with yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, even though it doesn't look so pretty anymore, there's yeah. there's a, it's much, it has much more value than the shiny new one. <laughs> it's very true, it is. It's about who you surfed mm. with, when you surfed with it, where you mm. went, what season yeah. of life you were in. It really, I think, yeah, things carry memories mm. and um, I think that's where our value system needs to be and I, I often... Maybe I'm just a bit stubborn, but in the jewelry industry, the value system is diamonds and gold are valuable. Mm. Your little thread mountain is cute, but it's <laughs> not <laughs> so valuable in the jewelry industry. So it's interesting, maybe also secretly challenging yeah, think, the, the status quo on, on value systems. Yeah, and I think like, like we spoke about earlier this morning over coffee, mm. I think it's just a matter of finding your, mm. your not necessarily clients, your your, pe your people, the people that appreciate your work, because mm. there's a reason that you make it, mm. and there are people that, that appreciate mm. it, that would, that would love it, that would mm. uh, resonate with it, and that I think would, uh, wouldn't mind investing in it, or would love to invest mm. in it, or have to, or they feel they, they, they can't not invest in it because of the, 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 the emotion, not yeah, the emotional or the immaterial value behind mm. it. Um, yeah. I think it, that, that's quite an important point. Yeah, I mean, know. you do. You get people walking here and they don't want anything to do with the story. And then they just want something shiny and then that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't... Some, it's like anything, I mean, some... Yeah, we all have our preferences, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So, I think... I, I, yeah, I would love to ask more questions, or well, not ask more. But yeah, I would like to chat more, but I, I think it may maybe for a first for a first take that would be a good place to leave it. <laughs> My nose is really acting up. Very sorry about that. <laughs> and maybe, yeah. <coughs> I think not they hearing. just they they have come down. Huh? Oh, did they go past? Okay, yeah. So then my, my, my son is off the, the <laughs> playground, which means I'm pretty much out of time. Well, we are, we are, we are that was out of the time. red flag. Beep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, just to end off, um, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to chat to me. Thanks Thank for, you for uh, having me. Yeah. It's uh, real special. <laughs> yeah, it is real special also for someone to to trust to go on, a, on what hopefully will be a podcast. It will be, be one of the first <laughs> one or two people. And uh, yeah, to to trust me with that um, that story, that information. That um, yeah. So thank you, and thank hopefully you. we can do this again when we are here, or maybe when you're in Switzerland. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, it was really really cool. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. Cool. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs>